and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and in today's episode, we are talking about a subject that has way too much stigma around it, and my hope is to shed a light on this experience and also maybe to offer some support to any of you who can resonate with this experience, and we are talking about postpartum rage. Now, postpartum rage is a symptom of something else typically, whether it's an anxiety disorder or depression, but it is way more common than you might think. But unfortunately, we don't talk a lot about it. Anger is an emotion that gets a bad reputation and there can be a lot of shame and stigma around this experience. But fortunately today, I have on the podcast my guest, Carrie Locker. Carrie is a postpartum nurse, and she has experienced postpartum rage herself. And in this episode, we both share about our experiences with anger and rage during that very vulnerable period of time after you've had a baby. I'm really thrilled to get a chance to share Carrie and her story and experience with all of you. So let's get to the episode. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and rested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. For anyone listening, um, we were just chatting about all of the pieces that we <laughs> in our two schedules to make this happen. Um, yeah. Because I have a seven-week-old, and how old is Lou? How old are you? Lou's 11 months now. 11 months. And you were trying to navigate the nap schedule. Yes. And your partner working you know, from <laughs> home, and I was trying to navigate, you know, baby's feeding schedule, and, you know, it's just, it's it's madness. It is madness to get things to click together, but we made it happen. We made it happen. And I'll, I want to share this. Um, I just... So I just texted Carrie a photo. I was like, Carrie, I needed. <laughs> I realized as I was kind of like getting all set up that my boob was hanging out of my shirt <laughs> from pumping so that I could leave a bottle. And I, I'm like in my closet. And so it's just a picture of one boob hanging out with all my like, all my like fancy wear behind me, like all the sparkles. <laughs> oh, man. Perfect. Perfect mom life depiction. I love oh, it. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, what we are talking about today is also something that can show up in mom life. Um, and it's not the sparkly, funny, mm-hmm. giggly part of motherhood, right? It's correct. It's the underbelly of motherhood that sometimes, and I call it that, the reason I call it that is because unfortunately, um, and I hope that you and I can start to change this, we can bring it out of the shadows, but yes. um, unfortunately, we're talking about Postpartum rage today, and postpartum mm-hmm. rage unfortunately has so much stigma around it. Yes, um, and there's a nasty cycle of, um, 
that experience being followed by guilt or shame, Mm -hmm. which also lead to isolation, which and not getting support, which can make it even worse. So we're talking about postpartum rage today, Carrie. I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast. But before we get into that, um, can you introduce yourself and and share a little bit about your background and how you came to do the work that you do and yeah. why this topic is meaningful to you? Absolutely. So I'm Carrie Locker. I'm a postpartum and nursery nurse here in St. Louis. I've been a nurse for about eight years and it's always been postpartum for me. Um, And I'm also a mama to three, three kids, four and under. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely busy with them. Um, And I have learned so much with that component of my life, like putting together the professional aspect, being a postpartum and nursery nurse, as well as being an actual mother, you just learn so much once you actually go home from the hospital. So um, I came to find that there just wasn't enough postpartum support, postpartum education, not just like what you have to do for yourself, but what you have to do with your baby when you get home. I feel like there's just so much that can come up in the course of like that first year. And so I just wanted to bring more attention to that period and some things that can come up during that time. Yeah. And can I actually just name a few things that, and this is, this is for real, a few things just in the past couple of weeks. I mean, I have a six week old, so I've been, or seven week old. So I'm very much in it. Here are a few things, Carrie, that I have actually gone to your Instagram page for to get help around. And so it's um, literally just a few days ago um, was thrush because she has thrush on her tongue Mm -hmm. and I have it on my boobs right now Mm -hmm. on my nipples. Um, I went to your Instagram highlights and uh, to learn all about thrush. Good. Um, I went to your Instagram highlights when I had mastitis to help get rid of oh my blood gosh. milk ducts. I went to your Instagram <laughs> highlights when she cut herself on her face and I'm like, how Ooh. do I help these baby nails? Yes. Um, and I've actually um, done a takeover for on, on your page and that's yes. you know, where we talked about scary thoughts. Um, Absolutely. And so your Instagram page account, um, and it's at Carrie underscore locker. Is that mm-hmm. right? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I'll make sure to include a link f- um, to that in the show notes for anyone listening. But it Thank is you. such a wealth of knowledge. And there's so much information there because you're right. There are so many things that come with that first year. Um, you know, a lot of my focus in my work is on looking at mom and um, their partner's, you know, mental health mm-hmm. um, and wellness and um, also bonding with baby. Yes. Um, but there's so much other stuff, like just so yes. much physical stuff that comes with it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And And that on top of everything else. (laughs) Exactly. And that can like a lot of the physical things, or you feel like you're failing at this or that can 100% attribute to postpartum rage, postpartum anxiety, et cetera, because you feel like you're doing something wrong. So you feel guilty or shameful. Yes. And you're just holding, um, like, so the episode that I, uh, that just aired two weeks ago, um, which will be the case when this one airs, um, where we talk about just sort of like the invisible mental load of motherhood. Mm -hmm. I talked about that with Erica, um, from Mm -hmm. happy as a mother. And that is such a part of this experience of postpartum anger, postpartum rage, 
in anxiety or depression. Yes. Um, and for me, it has been, um, and I'll speak to more of that in a bit, but there's so much to carry in your mind. And when your mind is carrying so much and then, you know, your child asks you a question or yes. um, somebody, you know, like swerves in front of you while you're driving and your mm-hmm. baby's, you know, crying in the back, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's heavy. It wears on us and mm-hmm. it makes it more difficult to maybe regulate some of those. Yes. Or to absolutely. And it can come out in, in that rage. Yeah. I mean, right now, for instance, I, I mentioned that my daughter has thrush and I have thrush mm-hmm. and the like pres- prescribed, you know, like the nice statin that I'm putting on her tongue and uh-huh. the I'm putting on me. It's like, I mean, I'm supposed to give it to her four times a day uh-huh. for 14 days. And I'm yeah. like, okay, four times a day, I'm having to think about like putting this on her tongue, somehow mm-hmm. getting it on her tongue without her gagging and spitting up everything she just ate. So timing yep. it right. And just, it's, it's, that's just one thing, right? Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that like my kids are going back to school and we're living in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> right, right. Just a small and, like, thing. I'm deprived and- so then when I, you know, lo- lose my cool and I yeah. snap at my child or I like drop the F-bomb and I cuss uh-huh. in front of my child or I snap at my partner yep. um, or I yell at a stranger while I'm driving, like it feels like something I would never want anybody to know that happens mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. see that happens. But but it does. But and it does. put it in context, it makes so much sense, right? Absolutely, it does. And it's so much more common than we think. Oh my gosh, it really, really, truly is. And that's why I want us to have this conversation so that um, new parents can begin to talk about this experience more openly so they can get the support that they need. So why, why is this topic so meaningful and important to you personally? So I experienced postpartum rage, I feel like to a pretty strong degree after my second child. Um, She was very reflexy, very colicky, just one of those difficult babies. She didn't sleep well, which means I did not sleep well. And I was just having a really hard time bonding with her. And I was already anxious about the fact that we are dealing with reflux and she just ate. Now she's spitting up. Now I need to give her medication. The same type of thing you were just describing, trying to think about timing everything right. Meanwhile, I have an 18 month old running around still needing me. He's still a child. He's still a baby, 18 months old. Um, And I just felt like I was being pulled in 1000 different directions. So I feel like I had this anxiety that would just fester. And then on top of that, my house was a complete wreck. I've got my son wanting something. I have my daughter screaming and crying every time I would set her down. I looked like a mess and I felt like I felt guilty when my husband would get home from work and I didn't have the house cleaner. I didn't have a meal cooked or anything done. Even though he did not care about that, I did. And so that really, really festered. And so with any little thing, like you said, my son asked, asking me a question or my daughter starting to cry when I'm driving the car, I would just blow up. And it was like I wasn't in control of it, though. I, I could even tell myself in my head, Carrie, why are you getting so upset about this? But I still couldn't handle it. Like I just, it had to come out. Like as it's happening. Like as it's that, happening. Yes. That that actually happened to me literally just today. Um, like it's just... It's and I think you mentioned you mentioned like the house being a mess and these sort of things. Yes, and, you know I've I've 
I, I've recently been kind of trying to unpack for myself, like why why is it so triggering right now? Because mm-hmm. we are all home all the time, and so there's just like, it, 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 and we just had a baby too. Yeah, because the kids are home all the time. Also, there's less time and space to kind of pick up things and just even have a moment for the house to feel put together. Yes, and me- mess can be so overstimulating for oh, yes. some. I think many of us. And so, yeah, it's like the house feels like a mess, which makes me feel out of sorts um, mm-hmm. and like not grounded. And then you have the baby who like you try to put down because you just need to pee or you just need a moment. Yeah. And the minute you start to kind of put them down, they sense it and they start crying. And then your child, your older child asks you a question at that same moment or the dog starts barking. Yes. Or your partner comes home and like he hasn't or she hasn't been like there during all of this and you're resentful. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it, it comes out as this sort of like explosion of anger. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about postpartum rage um, or what some people call PPR. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like its relationship to depression and anxiety, um, or like, is it a diagnose, diagnosis on its own? And I think that we still need more research in this area. We do. Is that what we, you found as well? Yes, absolutely. So um, I had originally when I was dealing with this after having my second child, I read an article on motherly that it, mm-hmm. that is actually what shed some light on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm going through because it's not the loneliness and sadness and just the weepy type feeling that we get with postpartum depression more so, but it's actually getting angry and nobody talks about it because anger, how can you be angry? You just had a brand new sweet little baby. How can you be angry? Um, So I think that a lot of people, because when I did shed some light on this on my Instagram page, I cannot tell you the number of people who reached out to me just to say, I didn't know this was a thing. This is exactly what I'm going through. So there needs to be more awareness and more information about it because it is separate from postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. I do think it stems from postpartum anxiety because when you think about anxiety, you think, I'm already edgy. I'm already on edge about things. And then with postpartum rage, it's kind of just like a trigger that pushes you over the edge to get to that point. So I do, yeah, yeah. I do think like postpartum anxiety is kind of the foundation, but then postpartum rage is like a little bit of a branch off of that or can be. Yes, yes. And I would I would say that like it can I would call say that it's under the umbrella of postpartum mood and anxiety disorders like mm-hmm. in in general. I think that there's um so many and so many women women that I've worked with um in my clinical practice where they have postpartum depression and we've 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 come to that conclusion, but they're also having that that symptom of anger. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, for um, mood and anxiety disorders, a lot of times what's getting triggered in different ways is our body's stress response, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have that stress response, another way that we will call that response is that sort of flight or fight response. And one of the words is fight, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes it's like you, that that anger, that frustration, that like, that part of us that's like, if you watch Inside Out, that little like, yes, that little red, that little red, fiery part inside. <laughs> the little red guy. Yep. Yeah, the little red guy. It's just... <laughs> Like it just jumps in the driver's seat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that our, and tell me if you agree with this or your thoughts on this. Yeah. I think that our world and our society is much more comfortable with 
a mom with with a mom who is weepy and sad yes. and um you know down yeah. but but to be angry to yes. to express anger to to be to be to, and, and let's talk about what some of those what, that, what does that look like right what does rage look like it can look like mm-hmm. dropping an f-bomb cussing mm-hmm. throwing things punching yep. things like yeah. screaming yelling I yep. mean those are behaviors or you know things that I don't necessarily think that um our world is, is okay with women expressing right exactly and exactly and they're not going to expect it or they're not going to ask about it and so then it's not going to be necessarily detected because they're not asking and because there's that stigma yes exactly that's exactly right I feel like there's just not enough pre-education about it there's not enough you can't get the support because it's not talked about so how do you know that you even need the support you know what I mean it's just it's a really it's a hard little battle to fight and that can postpartum rage can portray itself in multiple different ways so it's hard for women sometimes to pinpoint things especially like you said how it can you know it can branch off of postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression so they may just think it's a part of that when we need specific support for postpartum rage in and of itself. And we need to kind of recognize our triggers ahead of time um, when we kind of feel it brewing up. Because I know my me myself, I would get um, like physical symptoms that would start up right before I would have an outburst. Like I could, this is so crazy, but I could like feel my feet start to sweat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like yeah. that that is how I would just like, I. it's almost that saying where you feel your blood boiling. That is yeah. what I could feel. I could feel feel just myself getting hot. I was getting my, like my heart would start racing. I would get short of breath. And once I started being able to recognize those symptoms, I was able to try to do something to distract myself. And that is what I found to help me personally. Um, there are, you know, multiple different ways to go about this, but that is just kind of how I dealt with the situation. That is, it's so, it's so powerful to have that kind of attunement to your body because our body often does signal to us, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's, our body is very wise and it will signal yes. to us that there is some, some sort of emotion being experienced, which is maybe turning on, you know, some sort of um, system in our body that's, yes. you know, because our, our emotions typically are very much related to giving our body's information, our brain information about what's happening around us. And we can have physical responses to that. And in the case of anger, right, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is related to that stress response and that mm-hmm. sort of fight or flight system in our body, which is meant to, you know, work for us. But obviously there are moments where <laughs> it, um, <laughs> it shows up when it's not yeah. most helpful. Oh, um, absolutely. But, but our body will let us know. And so, yeah, you said that you'll feel it like almost in your feet. And I, mm-hmm. I've, I've had clients, when I talk to my clients about kind of, um, paying attention to when those rage moments happen and what was happening before and mm-hmm. really tuning into their body. There can be different symptoms that um, are signals that our bodies can send us. And for for a lot of, of people, it can be in their extremities. So mm-hmm. like you said, in your feet um, and in your hands. And what's interesting is that feet is a really interesting one because mm-hmm. that fight or flight system is turned on for you. And, yeah. you know, like like fleeing and running yeah. and having, yeah. having like like blood pump to your feet or like your extremities that's actually that actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it from that sure sort of, <laughs> that perspective right yeah um, 
But also there can be like your breathing can change. There yes. can be flesh and you can feel flesh in your face, sweaty palms. I, f- I tend to feel um, tightness in my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be a, a signal for me. And a lot of times like it can feel like, well, those symptoms happen while I'm already in that like rageful state. Yes. Right, in that moment. But as we become put it like put in the practice of being a really mindful right mm-hmm. of these things our body tends to showcase some of these signals and to give us these red flags even before we blow up right or yeah exactly um yell at someone or throw something or punch the wall yeah exactly that's exactly right it's really nice to have those physical symptoms sometimes they come up at a point like you said where I don't want to say it's too late but you're already in the midst of it whereas sometimes it starts to show itself a little bit earlier and we can recognize it and try to do something to help stray away from the situation yes hey mama is popping in really quick to share a little bit about the sponsor for this episode stork s-t-o-r-q so stork makes daily essentials for pregnancy and nursing and parenthood they truly make the softest most comfortable clothing that i wear to bed throughout the day to my doctor's appointments and even when i'm going to pick up my kids from school what i love about stork is that when you go onto their website you can be sure that they're not going to be showing models that have fake bellies ever. They only photograph actual expecting and nursing mamas of different sizes, body types, heights, and stages of pregnancy and postpartum. They don't retouch their images so you can really see how everything actually looks on real people in real life. If you are interested in learning more about Stork or getting yourself some of these comfy, cozy essentials like nursing bras and nursing tanks or robes or stretchy pants, you can get 10% off your first order at stork.com, S-T-O-R-Q, with the code holding space. All right, let's get back to the episode. Let's talk a little bit about the emotion of anger, um, because mm-hmm. I think that there, there's a lot of information out there about anger that um, that sometimes I don't fully align with, or I don't, I don't think is always accurate. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think anger, just like the movie Inside Out sort of showcases, anger really is one of our core emotions. It yes. is an emotion that we have, a feeling that we experience, and it can absolutely be a core feeling or emotion, meaning that like there's, there's nothing else that it's, it's, it's truly just anger. And I think that when anger is at at its purest, right, like it's the core primary emotion we're feeling. Mm -hmm. It's often in situations where um, we've experienced or we witness like an injustice, right? So like around like maybe a social justice issue, or if you feel like your rights have been violated um, in some way, shape or form, you may experience anger. And that is, it's, it's, it is anger in its purest form, right? Like there might be other feelings and emotions around it, but we can experience anger as a core emotion. A lot of times though, a lot of times anger can show up actually as a secondary emotion and the, like it's, it's kind of shows up as like a protector, right? Like that protector part Mm -hmm. of us. There's maybe something we're feeling that's a little bit more raw, a little bit more vulnerable. And 
that doesn't feel safe or comfortable to share or to let that show itself. And so what what kind of comes in is that part of ourselves, that anger, that protector, that, yes. fiery, that fiery part of ourselves comes in as sort of like the, what we call the secondary emotion. And then that's what gets expressed. So like yes. an example of this is like, you know, maybe you're feeling, your partner said something and you're feeling hurt by it, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. misunderstood. But instead of saying, you know, hey, this this thing you sh- what you said, I, I'm feeling really hurt. I'm feeling really disconnected from you, or I'm feeling like misunderstood right now, um, or I'm feeling sad, or I'm feeling scared. Right? Any of these things yeah. that are more vulnerable. A lot of times, that's not what we do, right? Like yeah. instead, it comes out as like anger, frustration, yes. like bitterness, um, snapping, like. Um, contempt, you know, like these sort of things, um, blaming. And, and so then, yeah, in, in those cases, I think, and I think this is what happens a lot of times, is that anger and, or rage is what shows up, but mm-hmm. there's something underneath it, right? And I think that if, if we can do the work of kind of slowing things down to tune in to not just our body signals, but also like, all right, anger, like, what are you like, what are you trying yeah. to protect here? You know? Um, yeah, there's something deeper sometimes. You're exactly yeah. right. That's it's spot on. I mean, that's exactly what I dealt with. And for me, I think it was kind of a combo of I felt like with my first child, I felt like my husband was like at my beck and call, you know, like at my side, like yes. with the water, with and then when you have two kids, which you just don't think about it this way ahead of time. Um, It's not until you're in the midst of it, but obviously it's nice to be able to split up and have one parent per kid in certain situations. And I, um, I felt like maybe, you know, if you feel like your partner's just not being as supportive as you wish they would, or not being there in the situations you wish that they would help with. Um, And then also with that combined, I was also dealing with the loss of a friend group because Mm -hmm. my friends who did not have children yet didn't really understand me or what I was going through or, you know, any of that. And I think I had a hard time adjusting to not having them in my life as much because they were still, you know, doing things that we did before kids. And I many times wasn't able to do that. So I think I was hanging on to that as well. And it just festered inside of me and then came out as that protective rage. Yep. Right. I mean, I can, I can relate and I can picture the moment, right. Where like, maybe let's say you escape to the bathroom and you're scrolling Instagram and see a photo of your friends doing something, um, without you. Right. And Mm -hmm. Yep. Maybe the initial feeling that shows up is sadness or or even grief. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, like your toddler like swings the door open, and you that's a that's a little trigger right there because you're like, oh, yeah, never be alone. Like I'm trapped. Yep. And then the, you hear the baby start crying, and then you realize, and like the toddler yells, and it wakes up the baby or something. And all oh my of a gosh, sudden, yes, you're yelling at your child or even um, yelling at the baby for crying, right? Like mm-hmm. I have so many yep. clients that have shared this with me and have so much shame around it, right? Because there's fear of like, if I tell somebody this, like, what are they going to think of me? Um, exactly. Or are they going to think I'm abusing my child, right? Right. But they'll share like, you know, I I yelled at the baby. I was like, stop crying. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Like, mm-hmm. seriously? Like, 
like, or even worse than that, right? Like, yeah. Um, and it can get, it, yeah, it can get really, it can be these really, really um, moments that feel, these moments that feel very ugly, right? I'm, I was, I'm not going to call them ugly moments because they are real moments, but they're moments that feel ugly um, and just, yeah. And then, and then there's like this guilt and shame that comes with that. And I think oh, that it can be this nasty cycle where it can kind of fester and almost like piles, right? Like now you're yes. feeling worse. Um, and so then the next thing that happens, you're already like in this like agitated space. Yes. Oh. 100%. And it's hard. It's hard to get out of that because again, when you're in the midst of motherhood, you're already aggravated. And then you're looking around, you're seeing that messy house, you're seeing um, your partner doing something that maybe you wish they were doing this instead of that. And, you know, it starts to build up and build up. And then it comes out as another, you know, case of rage where you cannot get ahead of it. So it, yeah. it's it's a vicious cycle sometimes. Oh, it really is. It really is. I I, I know that for myself. And, and, I, and the reason I feel like it's really important for us to be having this conversation is I think that let's just take you and me, for example. Like I think yeah. that the perception, because I've had clients, when clients have shared some of these experiences with me and when I've chosen to open up and self-disclose, um, you know, and to normalize some of these things, I mean, my clients will look at me like, there's no way, right? Because yeah. like, their, their perception of me in my professional identity, yeah. which um <laughs> is, 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 is a part of, is, is a time when like, I am doing work that I feel really good at and my office is clean and I yep. don't have, yeah. <laughs> a, 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 you know, a baby crying and all of these things. Right. And so they, they don't see those moments. Um, Absolutely. I think that it's really hard for somebody to imagine, um, you know, that, that this other mom would ever do something like that. Like yes. this mom, this other mom would ever, you know, um, when their child is like screaming and trying to hit them, like grab their arm and like squeeze their arm, right? Mm -hmm, and feel mm -hmm. awful about it, but like it happened because you yep. got really frustrated because you were being hit, right? Yes, like, right. And you were having your child was screaming at you, and and obviously, you know, there's a difference between a moment like that and and and. A, child abuse, right? Absolutely. Um, yes. And so we, we want to make that differentiation, but like it, those, those moments happen, right? Where you yell or you scream or you do something in front of your child that you're just really ashamed of. And you, you think to yourself, there's no way that another mom does this, right? Exactly. Yep. And it feels very lonely in that way because you, you don't feel like anybody else is going through that. And that's why when I read that article originally and it all clicked and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I am going through. It is so nice to see that that is actually something. And I'm not just like crazy, you know, <laughs> like I really felt like I was a terrible mother. I felt guilty every time I would get upset or angry with my baby or my toddler. I mean, yeah. I have this beautiful family I am so thankful for and so grateful for. How can I be so angry and so frustrated with them when they are children. You know, it made yeah. me feel terrible, terrible about myself. So yeah. I can absolutely resonate with that 100%. So what can we do about this for the mama or the person who is listening to this right now and they're 
nodding their head or they're like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is me. This is me this morning, or this is something that I am experiencing. So let's talk about what are some things that, that we can do, right. To, Mm -hmm. to get support around this. So you named a really important one, which is, I think, um, really starting to even like, like get a journal or open, open up your phone notes and start to kind of try to track when it happens, right? Like, yep. and try to kind of identify, okay, what were some of the physical symptoms? Like that's mm-hmm. super important because our body will oftentimes um, send us red flags before we get to that sort of that state, right? Like uh-huh. that place where it feels like we can't control it. Um, so kind of jotting that down, but also jotting down like what were some of the things that, what was the context around it? What were some of the triggers? Yes. Um, how much sleep did you get the night before right yes sleep deprivation is real in in postpartum in that fourth trimester especially and sleep deprivation is a beast I mean it it is it literally impacts like our the parts of our brain that help us with like rational decision making right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you it's just a recipe for it's it's all a recipe for for postpartum (laughs) rage Um, sure it's why these these experiences are so common. So identifying like what what were the physical symptoms? What was the triggers? What's the mm-hmm. context? So like did, how much sleep did I get last night? Which is probably an indicator that you may need to get that restorative rest and reach out yes. for support to get that restorative rest. Yes. Um, when's the last time? Maybe I'm feeling like really gross because I haven't showered and I right. hair smells like you know, baby spit up. Um, yep. Maybe the house is a mess. And so maybe I need help so that either I can organize if that's, if that f- fills me up and fills my buckets, yep. do it myself or, you know, have somebody else do it and get that kind of support. Exactly. Um, or like, you know, when's the last time that I've talked to somebody, right? That like is a friend or right. um, a partner or when's the last time I've been like hugged or touched in a way um, or am I being touched out, right? Like, do I just mm-hmm. need alone time? So yeah, exactly. So many different needs, right? Like so, I mean, so many. An introvert so, so. might be like, I need space. Whereas an extrovert is like, I need to feel like I'm, I'm with somebody in this, you know? And so. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's a little bit different in their needs and then kind of recognizing it, like you said, um, looking at or studying the situation and what happened pre, during, and post is really important. And then I know my doctor had me try to like shift my focus when I could feel those physical symptoms starting up. And I felt that extreme frustration where I felt like a bit of rage was going to come on soon. And he would have me shift my focus to immediately do something else. So that would be like, count all of the blue things in this room. Let's Mm -hmm. go through and let's count all, like just shift my attention elsewhere. And that helped me personally, just shifting my focus in the situation. And then I can come back and reevaluate it. And as we talked about earlier, kind of sift deeper in our feelings and see maybe if there's something else that's underlying that I am not focusing on that I need to, in order to kind of help get this rage under control. Like if I'm frustrated about this, that, or the other X, Y, Z, I can kind of work on that. If it's needing to communicate more with my partner, if it's needing to reach out to a friend, whatever it looks like for you, please take initiative. I know it's hard, but try to 
study the situation, like I said, before, during, and after, and sit there and reevaluate all of it so that you can try to come up with a little bit of a plan for the next time it starts to happen. Absolutely. So I love that. So what you were, what you just kind of named as like what was helpful to you in terms of looking and naming or counting all the blue things in the room, right? So Mm -hmm. part of what this practice is, is using our senses to kind of ground us. And so some people that's like visual, they, they try to focus on what do I see in this room? What can I name that I see in this room? That's a specific color or, um, can I, or how about feeling my, I want to just like sort of feel my feet on the ground or if I'm sitting, feel the chair against my back, just kind of, um, you know, you use, you use the term distraction and what it does is it, it kind of grounds us in Mm -hmm. that moment here and now, um, you know, like taking a deep breath, like a restorative breath. Um, for me, actually, there's a certain kind of breath that actually helps, um, I'll take like a big inhale and on the exhale, I'll make the shushing sound that like you usually use with the baby. Yeah. Um, And what's, what's really beautiful is that like, let's say you're holding the baby and the baby is crying. If I take a deep inhale and then I exhale and instead of doing the like quick, the quick shushes that we usually do, like, like that actually kind of just makes our breath that like sort of rapid chest breathing. But if I take Uh a deep inhale, and then on the exhale, I do the shushing sound. And I just sort of like let my um, shoulders drop. There's two benefits to that. One, babies love it, right? And so yes. it's potentially going to help soothe your baby and you're maybe doing it anyway already. Um, but two, the deep inhale um, and then that exhale with that sort of shushing sound, that is actually has been shown to trigger this little bundle of nerves that can sometimes support us in moving out of that um, sympathetic fight or flight nervous response, um, Mm -hmm. nervous system response to what we call the parasympathetic um, response, which is like the opposite of fight or flight, which is that sort of like rest and digest or rest and connect um, response. And so um, it's funny because my kids are so used to me doing that. I have to do it often that when I do it, it's actually, um, and my, my, my other, my two older children are are older, so they can communicate this with me. Um, it actually, it actually tells them that I've caught myself and they actually know at that point that the repair is coming. Like, like, like I'll, I'll eventually come back and say, sorry, um, for snapping. And, um, and then my daughter will say, I knew that you would, you were doing that, that you were were taking deep breaths. And that is so cool. Like knows that like, that is me regulating myself. And it's the, the double benefit is it's modeling to my children that like, you know what, you're not going to be perfect, just like mom's not perfect. And yeah, like anger isn't something that we need to be scared of. Yeah, um, or, or hide or anything. Or hide, yeah. right? Like it's going to pop up sometimes. It's a part of us that isn't going anywhere because we're actually wired for it. It's supposed mm-hmm. to show up in, in certain situations to help us, right? Right. Um, but – you know, you're not, you're, sometimes it's going to show up even in situations where maybe it's not the best moment, but you can repair. Like here are some ways that you can regulate yourself. Um, and, and when I, when mommy forgets to do that and when I lose it and I like go to the other room and I come back, like 
I'll, I'll say sorry because I want to show you that sometimes you can't even catch it in the moment, but you can mm-hmm. come back and, and repair. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think that – so those are some of the things that help with that kind of like physical – the physical parts that can kind of create this sort of like pause, right, or this sort of mm-hmm. space between the trigger and the response so that you can – maybe choose to respond in a different way or to decide that you need to take a step back or step away, right? Like put the baby down somewhere safe. Right, like right. Walk to the other room. But then beyond mm-hmm. that, I think developing a new kind of relationship with our emotions, especially difficult ones or ones that um, are more challenging to kind of talk about like anger, I think that we want to develop a new kind of relationship with those emotions. One where we're yeah. not we're not feeling like we have to be so ashamed, but more, or that we want to like hide it or that we need to like get rid of it because truth be told, it's not going anywhere. Like we're wired for it, as I said. And so developing Mm -hmm. a relationship with our emotions where we can kind of pause and say, all right, anger, like you just uh, reared your red fire. What what are you protecting? Right. Or, Mm -hmm. Or is there something here that do I feel like there's been a violation of my rights here? Or does mm-hmm. it feel like there, there's a need here that I have that's not being met? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that slowing down and kind of honing in on it in a way where anger can be like not your best friend, but somebody that's yeah. <laughs> along the ride with you, right? Yeah. Um, and that can just kind of give, give you information, like data about kind of what's happening around you or what's going on or what it is that you need. Absolutely. I like to say it's there for a reason. There's a reason, you know, we just sometimes have to dig a little bit to figure out what exactly that reason is. Absolutely. And because this postpartum rage experience is such a close friend to shame, which is Mm -hmm. this feeling of like, there's something actually like deeply wrong with me. And because shame is so connected to isolation, which is just a really vicious cycle, I think oh, another yes. big part of this is is getting support, right? Yes. Like being able to – like for you, when you read that article, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm not – I'm there. there isn't something wrong with me. This is something yeah. that people experience. Other moms have experienced it enough for an article to be written about it. There's Absolutely. It, you know? Yes, I know. It finally clicked for me and it felt that honestly in and of itself made me feel so much better just to know that I wasn't alone in that walk of of life. Like I I just wanted I am very much a person of solidarity. I love knowing that like you know, we're in this together and I've got other people with me and we have each other's backs and people can resonate and I can resonate with them. That helps me so much. That's just my personality. Um, So being able to see and read that, yes, there is this article. This isn't just me. Um, This is something I need to look further into. Oh, that was so helpful. That was kind of the start to my path of recovery on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So support is so, so critical and feeling like we're not alone. And and what we know about the experience of shame, which, you know, Dr. Dr. Brene Brown has done a lot of research around, what we know about shame is that we, we, like the way the antidote to shame is connection and connecting with the right people, right? So yes. Identifying who is somebody that I can open up to about this. 
that isn't going to try to because I have people in my life that when I've opened up about it, they're like, they're they're like, there's no way, there's no way, like yeah, sweet Cassidy, like like there's no way you're a therapist <laughs> or like, you know, and they just it's almost like they can't believe it, and so yep. they minimize it, and uh-huh. those might not be the people to reach out to, right? Exactly. It's identifying, or there might be somebody who makes you feel like more ashamed, right? So it's identifying who is someone that I could open up to about this and um, share this experience with them. Because what we know about shame is that when we connect with the right people, shame can't fester and grow in that environment. That's It's a a really beautiful antidote to shame. Yes. And if we feel, if we're able to get a handle on that shame – I do think that we're more likely at that point then to say, you know what, maybe this is something that I need more support around. And we're more likely maybe to open up to our provider or get a, a reach out to a therapist or yes. maybe start medication. I know that for a lot of my clients, they're in therapy with me. We're working on these things. And then they make the choice to to start medication in addition to the therapy that we're doing. And the medication can be really helpful with some of the physical, like the physical parts of the anger and rage, which helps them, you know, feel more empowered to then create that pause and space between the triggers and their response. And so, you know, I think that, you know, reaching out can be a great first step because it can then lead to some of these other really, really important steps. Definitely. And there is nothing wrong with medication. I feel like there is such mm. such a stigma about it oh and there's nothing wrong. You're taking care of yourself and that is the best thing you can do for your baby is take care of you. Absolutely. And I, because I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you because you're, you're the nurse here. <laughs> is there, is there, is there medication that let's say somebody, it's like really important to them to continue their breastfeeding journey or to keep, to keep working on it. Even if at some point they do decide that the breastfeeding journey is actually not helping the situation and what their baby needs more of is a mom that's taking care of herself. And Oh my gosh. Yes. But is there medication that a breastfeeding mom can take? Yes, there is. Talk with your doctor and find out what works best for you and whatever point you are in in your nursing journey or non-nursing journey, whatever you choose. Um, talk with your doctor. There are options. There are absolutely options if you are breastfeeding or not. Absolutely. Oh, Carrie, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. I am so, so grateful. Um, where can people find you and what kind of resources or offerings do you have for anybody who's listening? Yeah. So I am over on Instagram, um, at Carrie underscore locker. Um, and my last name is L O C H E R. And then I also have a website called caring with a K for postpartum. Um, and there I just walk through anything and everything mom and baby related in that postpartum period, because I feel like we just are given this new baby and we get sent home and it's kind of like, oh my gosh, what's happening? So I just wanted to shed some light on different aspects of postpartum and baby care. So I've got everything from postpartum care to baby care to breastfeeding. I have a breastfeeding course available currently, and I'm actually working on a baby course as well. Amazing. Amazing, Carrie. Thank you so much. I'm going to share um, all of these links to these resources and offerings in the show notes. I am so grateful. And look it, we did it, Carrie. We Yay! spent an 
hour <laughs> with each other, and the only interruption was my dog. Who is <laughs> and that is a win. That is a win right there. <laughs> in my lap. In the park. <laughs> I like, love it. Like, oh, I guess this is where we're hanging out today. Yep. This is what we're going to do. That's fine. That's what mom oh, says. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Carrie. Thank you so much. So grateful thank to you. you and to have you as a friend and colleague. Absolutely. I feel the same. Thanks, Dr. Cassidy. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OBJN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.